Memory verse tonight, Proverbs 28, 4. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as contend with them, I'm sorry, but such as keep the law contend with them. Proverbs 28, 4. My brain went dead when you moved around. Anybody else? <coughs> Proverbs 28, 4. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Proverbs 28, 4. Good job. Anybody else? Proverbs <coughs> Good job, honey. Anybody else? Proverbs 28, 4. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Proverbs 28, 4. Good job. Anybody else? Would you like a glass of water, Rita? I got water. Oh, okay. Well, notice again, the scripture confines everybody to two categories. And that's something that we have to understand, that there's those that are forsaking the law and those that are contending. I was thinking about it, I could have been a contender. So, or you can be a pretender. Which would you like to be? You want to you forsake the law or you want to contend with the wicked? Because when you don't speak up, then you forsake the law with them. Or, excuse me, Romans one thirty two says... When we do not speak up, we're supposed to be um, speaking up. So those who forsake, and, and forsake really means to loosen or relinquish. It means to, to refuse the law or to leave the law. Um, they, they praise the wicked. So even, even if you don't say something, you're allowing them to shine. And that's what praise means. It means to be clear or to shine, to make as a show. So it allows them to stand out like they're telling the truth or like they are doing what's right when we don't stand up. See, we are uh, the restrainer, I believe, the Holy Spirit in us as we live in a moral way, as we speak out in a moral way, as we uh, preach the gospel, which is really uh, the light of the world that goes through us, that, that actually contends with them. So again, I would say, are you looking in your heart to be a contender or are you looking to forsake the law? There's only two categories. You can't straddle the fence. You have to decide who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve self? And serving self is serving the wicked one. So again, with Proverbs, a lot of times there's, there's parallelisms or there are contrasts. Uh, one statement is said, and then it contrasts it with the next line. Or one statement is said, and then it's reinforced. And that's a parallelism, I believe is what it's called. I just noticed that in my notes. So are you relinquishing? Are you forsaking? Are you failing to speak up or refusing to keep the law? Now, in, in, 
again, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament looked forward to Christ coming. They didn't know it was Christ. They just knew God was going to bring a provision for the sin nature. So they, by faith, looked forward. Even if you're reading with us in the Bible, if you're reading through Romans with us, you see that Abraham, he was saved by faith before the law. It wasn't by the law. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So anybody that believes God, it's accounted to them for righteousness because you believe by faith that God is going to provide for you. So the Old Testament, they look forward to God's provision. Now, in the New Testament, you and I know who it is. It's Jesus the Christ who poured out his blood as a, a sacrifice for us on the cross. So we look back. So when we look at this, listen to me, we're looking back and seeing Christ kept the law perfectly. He didn't, he didn't forsake the law. He came to keep the law, and he kept it perfectly for you and me. The problem was never with the law. The Torah is what it's called here in the Hebrew. It's the precepts of God. It's the direction of God. It's the instruction of God. I think as we look at it, when we think about it, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God, or it's literally God-breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, which is teaching you how to live, for reproof, which is telling you when you're not living according to the doctrine, or for instruction, or excuse me, for instruction, oh boy, I got given commentary. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God and the woman might be thoroughly equipped, complete, ready for every good work. See, I believe that all of the word of God can be put into this category here where he's talking about the Torah. Because all of the word of God is the instruction of God. It's the doctrine of God. It's the correction of God. When you're listening to it, it's the, it's the reproof of God. So it all fits in here. And Christ came and kept it perfectly, completely. And then he gives it to us when we believe by faith. Now, what's my point? My point is this. There was never anything wrong with the law. Some people think there's something wrong with the law, that it wasn't able to save us. No, the problem was with you and me. The problem was with the people that were looking at the law. They had no capacity to keep it perfectly because of the sin nature that Adam gave us with the original sin. So even though we might want to and we like, oh man, I want to keep the law. We might do it really good for five, six, seven times, eight times we blow it. You can't keep the law perfectly of God. Christ did. He gives it to us freely if we believe. It's called justification by faith. It's imputed to us. It's put on our account. And listen, I want you to look at Psalms 119. Just quickly to try to make my point. Or excuse me, not 119. Psalms 19. We just read this a few days ago on our schedule. <clears throat> Psalms 19. Verse 7, I want you to understand that there was never nothing wrong with God's law. Never nothing wrong with God. Never nothing wrong with Christ's sacrifice. The problem always becomes you and me. Where is our heart aimed at? Christ comes and justifies us by faith. He gives us his perfect position with God, his perfection. And then when we receive him, he gives us his Holy Spirit, which begins to sanctify and cleanse us. It gives us the power to say no to sin 
and begin to keep the law. See, we want to take the law out, but the law is not going to pass away. None of the law will pass away. It's going to remain forever because it's the instruction of God. It's the heart of God. It's still the requirement of God, but we're just saved by faith because of what Christ has done. Because we have a sin nature that cannot keep the law, so we receive his justification by faith. And now the penalty's gone. And then as you listen to the Holy Spirit and you get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and you learn the instruction of God and the doctrine of God and the law of God, now the Holy Spirit teaches you how to obey God. And practically you're walking out what Christ did perfectly for us in our position. Now that doesn't mean that we're saved by it, but we're learning to obey God's rules. We're learning to obey God's statutes. We're learning to obey God's law. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. And now it's written on our heart. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to obey it, but we still fall short. But every time that we do, what does he say? 1 John 1, 9. If you confess that to God, he's faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He keeps washing you. He keeps cleansing you until the day that you see him face to face, and then you're perfectly like him both positionally and practically in glorification. So look here at, the, at, at Psalms 19.7, David writing. It says here, the law of the Lord is perfect. Well, what's it do? It's converting the soul. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. There's nothing wrong with God. The problem lies in you and I. Psalms 19 and 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, just like God is perfect. No problem. The problem lies in you and I. Is that the first five books of the Bible? Or? Psalms 19.7 is where I we're at. I the law. The Torah is the Pentateuch generally, but it's all of the Bible because it's the instruction of God. But the Torah is usually called the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, okay. Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yeah. But God's word is his law. God's word yeah. is his heart. Yeah. So we include it all. The fair, or excuse me, the Sadducees would would only say the first five books of the law. They would not look at anything else. They wouldn't believe anything else. Uh -huh. That's why Jesus presented to them the, about marriage from their own books that they believed. And he said, he said, what did what did he call it? He said, uh, 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 when they come to him and said, there's this man. It's called leveret marriage in the law. He said there was this man that died and his wife. Uh, uh, and he had seven brothers, and his wife married one, then the other, then the other, then the other. Yeah. And whose wife will she be in heaven? And he said, uh, you are mistaken because you do not know Scripture nor the power of God. And because he used his own text uh, uh, from the books that they believed in. He said, because in heaven, they're neither given in marriage or uh, they don't have uh, wives and husbands. Because why? We're the bride of Christ. We're all married to Christ. It would be polygamy to be married to somebody else. We're only, we're only married to one husbandman. So, yeah, many people try to classify the first five books as the law, but it's God's word. He's the law. He's the sheriff. He, if we bring him down that low. His word is perfect. His law is perfect. Look what it says here. Let's read the scripture, Psalms 19, 7. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple listen it's god's testimony it's god's witness it's what he says his whole word 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. His statutes, his, his, his commandments are next. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. What's the commandments? It is authoritative prescription. Notice what he's saying. Every bit of his word, every bit of his word is what we look at. Not just the law, but the testimony, what he says. My sheep hear my voice. That's his testimony. That's his witness. That's what he's doing. And then, well, how do you do that? Well, the fear of the Lord. We fear God and not other people. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're in an alley and somebody is down in that alley firing a gun, there probably should be a little bit of fear. But the fear should run you to God and you cry out to God and then you get wisdom and what should I do, God? I'm going to get away. But God might say, stop, drop, and roll. See, you don't always run because of fear. Sometimes God might say, stand and fight. We don't, I mean, we have to listen to God's wisdom. And look what it says. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And more to be desired are they than gold. See, this is the heart we're looking at. What are we desiring? Is, is the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments of the Lord what we desire in our heart more than gold? Do we put them first, yea, than fine gold? Are they sweeter to us than honey or the honeycomb, anything that might we might want to taste? Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Now listen to me, because my point again is, those who forsake the law, you think, well, wait a minute. It doesn't mean a person who stumbles. It doesn't mean a person who falls short because all of us are confined in one place. We all fall short of the glory of God because of our sin nature. It means a person who has said in his heart, no to God. And I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. But if your heart is turned toward God, he's washing and cleansing you. He says, hear my voice, follow me, get into my word, learn my statutes, learn my ways, and I'll give you the power to obey. I'll do the washing and cleansing. All you have to do is rest in my salvation. But the person that God is talking about that would forsake is the person that says, I don't like God. I don't want to know what God says. I have no desire to follow God. I want to pursue gold. Something else is my God. Whatever the case may be, that's what I want you to see. Because it looks like, I mean, it, just to loosen and relinquish and leave or refuse the law, that's an act of your free will. That's an act of your free will. This is not a person that says, oh, Lord, I want to follow you. Wash me and cleanse me. I believe in your son, Jesus and then you stumble and you fail. See, because sometimes you'll get twisted around and you'll think, oh, I'm going to do this, and you'll be doing works, and it's really religion, and it's really not the Spirit of God, and God has to wake you up and wash you and cleanse you from that, and, and He allows things to come in. But you want to have a heart to contend. You cannot contend in the flesh. Listen to me. We want to contend. We want to be contenders, but we can only do it through surrender. Or else it becomes pretender. We have to, in order, but such as keep the law, that's back in our text. I, w I was going to take you, to, well, you know, let's go. James 1.21, let's just do this. I, I was trying to get to our text. Maybe we'll just stay here. Maybe this is something we need to do. James, I want you to see that there's nothing lacking in the word of God. That the, there's nothing lacking in the law of God. There's nothing lacking in God. 
Everything is possible with God. All things are possible. Nothing is impossible. And it, the problem becomes us. James 1, what did I say? 121. And I want you to see this word that the power is with God. I can't even get there, people. I was trying to hold my place, and that's not working out for me. James, is that after Hebrews? Hebrews 1.21. Therefore, lay aside. See, that's an act of your free will, your heart. Laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. The whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. And receive, it's a gift, with meekness, the engrafted, the implanted word. Now notice this, which is able to save your soul. See, there's nothing wrong with the law. There's nothing wrong with the work that Christ did on the cross. There's nothing wrong with God. It has the ability to save your soul. But you have to surrender and choose to allow it to. Now the word ability here, listen to me. The word able is the word dynama. It means ability or power. It's related to the word dunamis. From Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. See, it's, it's the power is available in the word if you will surrender and lay aside filthiness and, and wickedness and then receive it from God. You have to receive it. You can't just say, I believe in it and never do nothing. You have to begin to receive it. Because, and open the package uh, that God has given, and which is our identity in Christ. And it's implanted in your heart, and it begins to grow as he washes and cleanses you. It is able to save the soul, just like the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Well, what, how did we get converted? Well, Jesus came and kept the law perfectly. And then he said, you know what? I love you here. If you believe that I died and rose again, you can have my perfect keeping of the law. You can have this power to have your soul saved. It's able to do that. Well, where else is this? Look at Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. When you look at, when you look at uh, the spiritual armor of God, when you look at the spiritual armor of God, which is the place of the position where we stand. Listen to me. We stand. And three times in this text, it tells you about the ability. Uh, uh, 611. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. That's the power. If you put on the armor of God, which every piece of armor, I can make a case. I'm not going to do it tonight. That every piece is putting on Christ. It's standing in his righteousness. It's believing who he is and what he's done. It's the word ability there again. You have the power, dunamai, to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil, the methods of the devil, the lies of the devil. Look at 6.13. He says the same thing again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand when he attacks in the evil day and having done all to stand. Well, listen, it's again the word dynamite. It's the word, the ability is there. The power is there, but the doing becomes from our heart, whether we will surrender and do it God's way according to his instruction 
and follow him to receive his correction. Remember 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 for correction. That word actually means in the Greek to stand back up again, that which has been knocked down, to put it in its rightful place. See, there's nothing lacking in God's law. There's nothing lacking in God's word. If, if, if there was something lacking in God's law, then Christ couldn't have kept it perfectly and us be saved. The law was always perfect. And not one jot or tittle of it will pass away until all things are fulfilled. And then Jesus even says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Listen to me. The word is always going to be here. And we need to understand that the ability is here for God to do it. And the inability lies in our faith, lies in our stand. And actually the word for stand, histamine, means to abide, continue, and remain. It means that we need to stay in the Word of God, stay in the place of blessing, stay in that place where we're not trying to say no to God. See, lots of people will go, well, I believe this, but I don't believe that. And they try to cherry pick what they want to believe of the Bible. But when you're dead, you're crucified, you're in the grave, you're not cherry picking, you're just believing everything that God says because it's perfect, even when I don't understand how he's going to do it. Well, here's the biggest one is 616 when he says above all things this is above everything why because it's a life of faith he says above all taking the shield of faith which with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one do you see the word ability again there that's the same word it's the it's the exact same word again see the lacking is not in what god's instruction is the lacking is not in the correction. The lacking is not in the blood sacrifice. The lacking is not in the law. It's in us. There's nothing in us that can keep it. And when we try to do it, we end up in religion. We end up pretending instead of contending. We're called to stand and contend. We're called to stand and to speak the oracles of God, to be the light of the world. He, he gives us the light, and then we just share the scriptural truth, which is able to convert the next person. If you just witness to somebody, the word itself will pierce their conscience, and it's able if they will surrender to save their soul. We're not called to do all these other crazy things that the church is doing. We're just supposed to speak the truth in love, the Bible says. Because it has the ability to do itself everything that needs to be done. That word is, it's so put on the armor of God. Now here's the other one, Jude, and we'll close with, the, or not close, but we'll close this topic. Jude, Jude 24, one chapter, verse 24. Now to him who is able, there's that word again, able to do what, Greg? Keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless. Why? Because his blood kept the law perfectly. He kept the law perfectly. He poured out his blood as a sacrifice. Positionally, we are perfect. Present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior. That's who him is. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Listen, we're not called to save anybody. We're not called, we're just called to turn our hearts toward home and stop forsaking the word of God and begin to contend with others. Jude, what chapter and verse? 
Jude 24 and 25. Oh, now to him who is able okay. to keep you. And then back in our text, again we see 28.4. We discovered those who forsake. Where is your heart? Are you looking to be a contender? Listen, the problem is, is that most people don't want to contend for the faith. Most people don't want to contend for the faith that has once for all been delivered to the saints. But that's what Jude's entire letter is about, is contending for the faith that was once for all given. What we want to do, oh, oh, Greg, we want to pretend. Oh, we want to alter it. Oh, we want to change it. We want to make up a new ministry. We want to come up with some other way where we kind of like, let's make friends with everybody first. And then after we become friends with them, and we've been hanging out for a long time, they will just know that we're Christians. Listen, that's not contending. Contending is simply speaking the truth in love. We are the restraining power of why the world is not completely engulfed in evil right now. Because of the church that stands up and speaks the truth in love, and we become silent. We become marginalized. That's why death culture right now, death culture is not after America. Death culture is after God. It's from the devil. They're trying to kill the word of God. They're trying to silence anybody that would contend, anybody that would speak up. Then you will be done away with if you will speak up against what they're doing. You're not allowed to say that there's more than two or that there's only two genders. You're not allowed to say that marriage is a man and a woman. You're not allowed to say that two men cannot be a family. See, because if you are, then you're a hater and you're a racist and you, you just bring up all of these things. You make up a bunch of names to call somebody. Thank you. So are you a pretender? Is your heart forsaking the word of God, the direction of God, the instruction of God? Or are you, attend, are you looking to apply the word of God to your life and then speak it as a witness to other people. It's a contrasting statement uh, that a person who forsakes it, isn't that what they're doing in the world today? They're forsaking the law of God, the word of God, the instruction of God. They're literally in our government, in other world governments, they are, they, I mean, think about this. Oh my goodness, I get excited. I apologize for getting so excited. But they're removing God from every avenue. Uh, even the Pledge of Allegiance, they're voting now to take them out of schools, <coughs> if they're in the schools still. And, and what are you going to see? You're going to see atheism. Our government's now using our tax money to support atheist groups in other countries and promote it. They're giving grant money up to $500,000 for groups that are atheists. They don't give no money to church. What happened to the separation of church and state? I mean, because atheism is a religion. So I can sit here and talk about this all day long, but it's not about our government. Listen to me. It's about who is governing your life. Is Christ and his word, his instruction, and are you contending for this faith that was once delivered to the saints, as Jude would say? And how do you contend, Greg? By learning the word, by speaking the word, by pointing to the word. Even if you don't know what the word says, you say, that's not what the Bible says. That's not true. And you stand, you histamine, you abide and continue and remain 
in the love of God. That's contending. I mean, but when you're silent, okay, somebody wants me to go there. We'll go there. Look at Romans 1.32. We read this a couple days ago. Romans 1.32. I'll save you uh, all the other reading, but you have a whole list of those that God gives up. That's the judgment that's going on on our planet right now. He's given them all over 126 to these evil passions, to this, 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 this insane world that we see that's killing God. He's given them over because why? 28, they didn't like to retain God. They didn't want to live for God or retain God in their conscience, so they trained it out. And then look at 32. In 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, listen, you know the truth, it's written on your heart, and then you forsake it. That who, those who practice or do such things are deserving of death, that's eternal death, cast into hell. But look at this, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. See, you join with the forsaking if you approve and you don't contend. You become part of it because you're not contending. That's why they want to silence anybody that knows the Word of God. Because now you're speaking out and you're making people in their conscience think, wait a minute, is this really wrong? Is this really? Wait a minute. Maybe it's wrong. Somebody's saying something different. There's another thought here. So we need to be contenders, contenders, not pretenders. And we need to turn our hearts toward home and trust that God will do that. The ability is there. The power is there. Everything is there that is needed if we will just trust God. But such as keep the law, the Torah, once again, I believe it's all of God's word. Look at here. Keep means this. And because it's going to be important, we're going to go on. Uh, Keep means properly to hedge about or guard, to protect, to attend to. Listen to this, to be circumspect, which means to be as exact as possible. Take heed to mark. There's another thing. When you're continuing, you're marking. See, if you're forsaking, you're also getting a mark. But it's going to be from the evil one. To observe, that's the number one thing, which is the word for obey. To preserve, this is what the word keep means. Uh, to, for a watchman, it means it's the word for watchman. Once again, two categories. Those who keep, those who are circumspect, those who are marking and observing and preserving, those who are being a watchman on the wall, they contend. Listen to what it means. Because it means uh, to grate. Or figuratively, it means to anger others. It means to stir them up or to strive with them. See, because there's good striving. You can strive with somebody and go, listen, I'm worried about your soul. I really think you need to get saved. You are following death culture and you need to come to Jesus because the word of God says he's only. And, and then here's what it is with biblical use, usage, because I want to take you back to the ability. It means to wage war. Biblical usage, the word for contend means to wage war. And that's what Ephesians 6 is about, is the war's already won. 
All we're doing is standing because the Bible is able. God is able. He gives us the ability and the power to stand and contend. And there is a war going on, a spiritual war for your soul. There's a spiritual war for your soul. And the devil, the devil wants to take your soul to hell with him. It's that simple. He just wants to steal the worship so that you don't worship God. And if he can get you off track and not living according to what God's word says, that's why the law is so important. Everybody wants to throw the law out. You know, again, listen, what does Jesus said? Lawlessness will abound. In those days, lawlessness will abound. Think about this for a minute. That is not, listen, I, I'm just convinced it's not talking about, listen, it's not talking about burning down Minnesota. It's not talking about shooting and killing people. Listen to me. That's the fruit of the lawlessness for God's word. See, it's talking about God's law. It's talking about the lawlessness. The, the, the fruit is that you have a society that's got moral decay. But the problem is it's God's law that they're lawless against. And the fruit becomes that you have people that don't care about taking a life. They don't care about shooting up a school. They don't care about the, the moral decay that we see. That's the lawlessness. But it's not talking about the government that made laws and nobody will follow them. We're talking about God's lawlessness. And, 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 and it's actually transgression is, is the same thing. There's that word trans. We transfer. There's no law. And we quit listening to God's law. We're not saved by law. We're not under law. We're way above it in the spiritual realm, but we cannot throw it out because then we have no moral standing. We have no understanding of what Christ kept and what we're supposed to be obeying. We're supposed to be practically learning that, not for salvation, but because of salvation and contending with others who will not listen to what God's word said. See, it's still bad to murder. Thou shalt not murder. It's an easy one. Everybody goes, yep, yeah, we shouldn't murder. Wait a minute. You shall have no other gods before me. That's number one. Now we got a big argument because they go, wait a minute. I don't believe in God. But see, the number one lawlessness is you shall have no other gods. He created us. That's the number one thing. So Jesus said lawlessness will abound. Yeah, because they don't want to retain God in their consciousness. And so they practice all these other things and he gives them over to their debased minds and those who do not contend approve of what they do and you get the same reward because you're not standing for God who has given us the ability to do so okay next week is Matthew 6.33 is that where you're at in the Matthew? I just started Matthew 6 yeah, Matthew 6.33. I prayed, and that's the verse that he gave me. And now as I looked at you, I go, wait a minute, he might be right there. Matthew 6.33. We've done this one before, but it's been quite a ways, uh, at least 50 verses ago, so at least a year or more ago. But I just want to cover it just a little bit because, you know, perilous times are here. And people are worried about, and the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, what's his righteousness? His right keeping of the law. 
He perfectly kept the law and he gives us his righteousness. And that's what we're supposed to be seeking. His righteousness. Yes, it comes through Christ. But what did Christ do? He's our example of perfectly keeping the law. I am not telling you you're saved by keeping the law. I'm telling you that that's part of the race is we learn the law and we contend with others who's forsaking the law and ignoring it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added to you. You know, because we can, we can stop and think about it. You know, when you keep and guard, listen, it's the same word that's used in Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night so that you may be able to... I was trying to figure out which word was keep, though. That was where I was at. Sorry, it's, it's the ability again. Uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night uh, so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous and then you shall be of good success. And I'm trying to remember which word it was in my brain. Observe, I think, is the word I was trying to get. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, but it, it's the same word for keeping uh, and guarding and protecting because the prosperity comes from the word of God, contending and standing in it. So next week, um, Matthew 6, 33 Write that down. Matthew 6.33. Memorize it. As I said, we've had it before. And we will discuss it a little bit next week, God willing. Father, thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that we would seek you and your righteousness. Your kingdom. And we know you're already a perfect provider. And you will provide for all of our needs according to your riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good study, Pastor.